0: Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkset. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software, designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry Find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long term, not just survive. Our coach
1: unfortunately not got let go at the end of that season, and uh, I played the very first game of the next season and didn't play again and I exited either two years left of my contract, and they bought me out of my contract, which ended up being great, kind of. When eventually we got a deal, it was two weeks before our first restaurant opened, oh. and I went full two feet into the rest. My original plan was to learn it in the background and be hands off, and i The way it's worked out, obviously, gutted to finish the way I did with Lancer, but it stood me in good stead now with Zambrero that I really understand the operation. I could still walk into a Zambrero restaurant today and run it from open to close. Do all the tasks that are needed as a team member, working not only as manager or supervisor, but as a team member on the on the shop floor.
0: Please meet Dara Fanning, General Manager of Sambrero Island. Sambrero is Australia's largest Mexican restaurant franchise. They create Mexican-inspired food that also help to stop world hunger. For every burrito or bowl they sell, means that. meal is donated to someone in need with their program plate for plate in this conversation we hear dara's amazing journey from elite rugby player to becoming an owner and operator of a fast-growing restaurant chain we get amazing insight into consumer behaviors and how they're changing how you need to change your operational model And also how you can actually use a lot of the approaches from professional sports if you want to run better and more impactful teams. If you want to get more insights on what Maverick leaders know and do, as well as more backstage info on the show, sign up for the weekly newsletter Maverick Talk. Five minutes each week that could transform your leadership and business forever. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com and sign up there. This episode is packed with great advice on how to manage yourself as a leader when your business is growing fast. So grab a cup of coffee and enjoy. Welcome, welcome to this week's conversation. And today we're going to take a trip. principle, we're going to take a trip down under. We're also going to take a trip to, to Ireland. And we're going to be talking about a concept I knew about was available in Australia, but I actually didn't know it was available in this part of the world, Northern Europe. So I'm going to talk with Dara, that is the master franchise for some bureau, uh, in uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland. And we're going to talk a bit about, you know, this really interesting, his background and why he chose to come into the, the restaurant industry, which we all know notoriously is a challenging industry and why he actually choose you know, the master franchise route, why choose that brand, what the power of that brand is. So with that said, welcome to the show, Dara. Thank you
1: very much for having me, Michael. Uh, looking forward to having a chat about Zambrero and everything else.
0: So could you, from a context point of view, probably good because I already mentioned that you didn't originally come from the restaurant. but you talk a bit about your, you know, your background? What led you to join the the restaurant industry, and maybe also a third question within that? And where are you now with uh, Sambaro? So yeah, my background
1: was probably not the traditional route. I I grew up with a rugby ball in my hand since I was a child. My dad played rugby and captain uh, Leinster, which is our province, and the team I would have went on to play for, and it was a big, big part of my life. During my journey with rugby, again, wasn't probably the traditional route. I spent a year there in Galway with Connacht, which is another province in Ireland. I had a, a burst appendix at Christmas and unfortunately uh, got cut, in uh, budget cut to the end of the season, which was kind of heartbreaking why I was being cut in a business decision rather than on a rugby-based decision, which was, which was pretty hard to take, but I had an opportunity to go to Australia. I time to play with a guy, played a team that was coached by a guy, Sean McCarthy, who I used to play with and was a good friend of mine. And Sean was a player backs coach there in a, in Australia. So I got told on a Tuesday night at about 10 o'clock coming out of the cinema. that I was getting cut the next morning. I was obviously devastated, heartbroken, didn't know what to do. This is June time, pre-season for rugby teams is starting back in July, so it's like anything that everyone's roster was pretty, would have been full at that stage, would have picked the squad for the following season. I was in panic mode. I was obviously, like I said, just devastated. I rang Sean on the way home in the cinema at night. I was like, is there still an option for me to come to Australia. He's like, I could have you here this weekend. I was like uh, "Book it." Well, but Wednesday morning, I was back in Dublin at my parents house at the time. And welcome came down that morning, tell them I was cut from Connacht. I was moving to Australia. I thought I was leaving. This was Wednesday morning. I thought it was flying out Friday morning. My ticket catch was actually flying out Thursday morning. So I had a big scramble that day, got in a plane the next morning, um, ended up in Canberra in Australia, which was madness. Um, joined a rugby club, the Canberra Vikings there, had a great time there. But when I was there, one of the first things I did, I moved into a house of, with, uh, a couple of Australians and one Kiwi. First thing they did on the Sunday after the match on the Saturday was bring it to Zimbabwe, So we just went and do what most rugby players do, eat a lot of food and we went to Zambrero and from day one, I loved it. I just ate it as a customer but I was never sitting there being like, God, oh, this is, I'm going to bring this back to Ireland. This is some business for me. Just ate, ate it for my time there. I spent about 18 months in Australia and then came back and actually got picked up by my local province or by Leinster which is what would have been my dad played for where I grew up and obviously a team I supported as a kid, which was crazy and went on to spend the next three years playing at Leinster. So it was really dream come true stuff. It was very late in my rugby journey. I was 27 years of age when they signed me, which is pretty unusual. And I was in probably my second year. Sean, who had brought me to Australia, actually got involved with Zombrero, took it from Canberra up to North Queensland into Tensville. And he came to it, the opportunity of, i uh, say so he took it up there and it really exploded. He joined, I think he opened store 13 for him at that stage. This is two and a half, two, two years later, probably. And he was up towards store 20 already in North Queensland. He had taken on the rights of Queensland with his, with our other business partner, Shane. And he said, somewhere looking at Ireland, Whether they're looking at the UK. I suggested maybe Ireland, you knew the brand. Before I left Australia, I actually helped Sean for about six weeks. I opened a second restaurant, just went up, lived with him, myself, himself, and his wife, spent six weeks getting their second restaurant off the ground and it was, uh, I literally was just doing it to help some friends out. I had some time to kill before I was going on a, a, a rugby seven trip around Asia and, uh, went up, worked for six weeks. I worked in the restaurant, did my training in the evening. And it was great fun. And I learned the business then I obviously loved the food. I got to uh, eat it free every day, which was probably the big perk for me at the time. And, uh, so Sean, then came to me with that idea of bringing Zombrero to Ireland. And his idea to head office to our founder was go to Ireland, figure it out. It's a smaller market in the UK, get a supply chain, get the operation set up, and then look down the line to go with a bigger attack on the UK. And that's, that's what brought me here today. So that, that phone call was nine years ago in, uh, August. I had no plans to get into restaurant business. I definitely knew I wanted to do something for myself. I was probably in always been quite entrepreneurial. And then that opportunity came and I took it. Probably didn't think it was a pretty
0: rash decision, but I'm delighted I did it now. And uh, and was it the perfect timing at that point? Because you were still in your career, Was it, the, or did um, you have to make a choice quite quickly? No, it, it it's probably worked out to be
1: perfect timing, but for me at the time, no, my first, so from that August, that following season, I actually, that was probably my best season with Lance. So I would have played a lot of games, about twenty four, twenty five 25 games that season out of about 30 top prize for over the year. So I was, you know, well learning the business in the background and I'm learning the business with small things like, you know, Sean would send me all the information to read. I would go out and meet different suppliers. Like we were trying to set set up a meat supply. It was big for us, a small supply, a distribution partner. So you know, the one thing as a rugby player I had, and I still would, would give this advice, not that I'm some genius, but we have a lot of free time. That was one thing like your, your normal week, uh, for us in Leinster, if we decide a game, we'd win on a Monday. If we had a game on Saturday, we might just do some light gym in the morning. Some stretching, do some video, have lunch, no, sorry. Get given breakfast, do some video, do some light stretching gym, get given lunch maybe doing light walkthrough in the pitch some days. You might even put on your rugby boots by walking on the asphalt turf. Uh, Go through some stuff for the weekend, come back in, get some physio, go home. And that's three o'clock. You're you're walking out of work after being fed twice. You might have had a massage in that time. Similar run on a Tuesday. We'll have two pit sessions. Uh, uh, You'll have a light back one and then a sort of team one. Wednesday's a full day off. If we have Friday game, Thursday's just a captain's run on for 40 minutes on Thursday morning and a game Mm -hmm. Friday, and then you might have Saturday, Sunday off. If you have a Saturday game, you would have a light gym session, a short pitch session Thursday, captain's run Friday, game Saturday, Sunday off. So invariably, we nearly had two and a half days a week off every week. Plus your full days now I see are, are actually like half days. So a lot of time to go out and meet people, have chats. The, the big thing for me at the time was playing for Leinster. It opened a lot of doors and gave a lot of opportunities where a lot of people were happy to meet me. Now, I always say to people, it's not like, oh, they wanted to sit down and have a chat with Darren Fanning, the rugby player. They wanted to have a chat with the rugby player that played with a Brian O'Driscoll or a Johnny Sexton or a Shane Jennings or a Gordon Darcy, these guys. And they'd, like, you meet these businessmen and they turn into 14, 15-year-old schoolboys. Like, how strong is he? How fast is that guy? I heard this guy can do that. We'd have those chats and then i'd get my bit of business done at the end and that that was that was a huge thing that helped me at the start was definitely a lot of doors were open for me for people and that that's sort of what happened that year and probably my best season well, answer was planning what was going on in the background My coach unfortunately not got let go at the end of that season and uh, i played the very first game of the next season and didn't play again and exited either two years left of my contract and they bought me out of my contract and which ended up being great kind of when well eventually we got a deal it was two weeks before our first restaurant oh. opened and uh, i went full two feet into the rest my original plan was learn it in the background and be hands off and them the way it's worked out obviously gutted to finish the way i did with lencer but it stood me in good stead now with Zambrero that i really understand the operation i could still walk into a Zambrero restaurant today and run it from open to close and do all the tasks that i needed as a team member working not only as manager or supervisor but as the team member on the on the shuffle floor
0: and and i guess also it, it'd be interesting to hear here you know what is the the concept for people that doesn't know what Zambrero is and then also how far are you now nine years down the the road you know what's happening um, so yeah so we jumped in like twelve. Zambrero is an australia
1: franchise founded by a sri lankan scottish doctor selling a modern Mexican fusion food. So it's a complete melting pot of stuff, but it's, it's essentially we are uh, modern Mexican fusion. We're burritos, bowls, tacos. We are like your traditional burrito bar, but I see this as a bit of a twist. We've definitely a big health element. You come into our restaurants. We're, we still have your traditional Mexican elements with a sort of healthy and fresher twist. So you still have your, your rice, your beans, your protein. But then rather than say with Summer you might have one salsa, one bit of salad, we're very heavily salad, salsa, fresh produce, uh, focused. And the great side is Umbrero and from Sam's background and through, through his mother, he's, we have a great CSR side of the business with our plate for plate model, where for every burrito bowl sold, we donate a meal to one in need, which is currently at about 74 million meals donated, which is a phenomenal number.
0: Wow. So. Where are you now with, with your master franchise? What's happened on the journey? You opened your first restaurant. And I know you've done a couple of more since. Yeah, so we've had a busy we've had a
1: busy run lately anyway. So the the deal we made with Sombreo at the start was and this is what I always said at the start. So our first hire was a guy, Niall O'Connor Niles, my operations manager. Niall is my my work wife, as I say. We're we're a husband and wife combination. And he's been with me since the start. He started with us there. November before we opened the following March. So he spent some time in Australia. I then, in my off season pre season before, I spent uh, six weeks in Australia uh, doing my training. And uh, when we opened Hatchery, you know, the two of us were running it like two restaurant managers. But really, when we were getting Hatchery going, it wasn't just to get one restaurant. We were trying to lay a foundation for multiples of restaurants and multiples of sombreros. And so that was really refining an operation, really refining and, and Getting a strong supply chain. Because even though we're the very same as the Rare Australia, we're slightly different in certain ways. And I suppose I see that now more so that every restaurant in Ireland works slightly differently. Some have busy lunch, some have busy evening, some just go all day long from open to close. So it's trying to figure that out where, say, the restaurants myself and I all trained in Australia were very different to Hatchley. But we were trying to start, we're like, no, we should be doing it this way, even though. It's It was trying for us to get a head around that. So in the agreement, we, uh, we have to open three company restaurants before we were allowed to franchise out. So we had Hatch Street. We spent about a year getting that up and going. 11 months later, we went and opened in Cork, which is uh, about a three-hour drive away from Dublin, which made no sense, but it's uh, a fantastic location. It's actually up to 21 sites, and it's our best store in the country. So it, it was worth it, but it was a lot of pain at the start, definitely, trying to open your second restaurant three hours apart now for some people listening three hours in the car is a much for people in Ireland you can literally drive from Dublin to any corner of Ireland in about three four hours so it's uh, it's a long way away and then from there we opened Pier Street on the north side in Dublin and then from there we got our first franchise partners a year later uh, Cameron and Marina who have Beacon in Sandyford Dublin the store so they were always going to be the hardest to get. Getting the first franchisee is a tough one. Like I had a guy who approached me this week about a size and I'd spoke to him originally six years ago and through mutual contact, he told them recently, he said, I actually love Zambrero, but I didn't want to be the guinea pig. I didn't want to be the first guy or second guy. in. I wanted to see what happened and stand back and watch. And now he's come back, you know, five, six years later. So. That was the big one for us, getting Cameron and Marina signed, getting Beacon open and showing now the models of franchise. Once you have one franchise partner, you, when you've other potential franchisees, you can bring them and they can chat to you because they're never going to believe what I say. I can be like, oh, it's the best ever. It's great. It's this and that. They want to hear from people who are living, breathing life with the similar franchisee every day. And that's what happens now. We have franchisees come invariably, I'll always say. There's a list of restaurants, pick any one because I know the service we're given is good. I, I have a great relationship across all the restaurants with the franchisees and managers, and they do have phone calls with us with potential franchisees, which helps get the sale across the line across.
0: What is the, uh, what is the, the philosophy behind the, the brand? Because I know from studying the brand, there's a unique proposition as well. That has to be lived through. You already said that there's a more healthy, fresh produce angle on the food philosophy
1: yeah i, I suppose and, and even since i saw sombrero first thirteen, fourteen 14 years ago it's in all the changes and trends we've gone it's always been superfoods health foods healthier and healthier plant-based food plant-based proteins it's always I, I feel as a brand we've always worked really well and moving with trends and what we've definitely seen in the last number of years is flexitarianism it's huge now not like Yes, vegans and vegetarians, the big word, and, and people think it's a huge, the vegans and vegetarians, as I would say, are probably the loudest of our customers, as in they're the people that think the Instagram photos most and talk about it most and get out there most. But really, if you dive into sales, vegan and vegetarian food is a small portion. When you compare it to chicken or beef or pork, the the meat proteins are still way, way ahead But definitely what we've seen in the change and why we've seen the growth in that area in the last few years is. Having regular customers who would always be chicken burrito, chicken burrito, chicken burrito, whenever we're seeing it, the odd time like, going, do you have a vegetarian option? Do you have a vegan option? And I even know through my own friends and stuff, a lot of people wouldn't be uncommon now for people to have a vegetarian dinner one day a week. Or if I think back to kids, like in my mom's suggests my dad, we're going to have a vegetarian. He would have thought there was something wrong with her. So that's just the way the world is moving. And, and, uh, and I think Sombrero has definitely moved well with Trent.
0: What is it that, that makes the model unique? Because there's, you couldn't have chosen, I don't know, a million is probably over-exaggerating, but there's uh, definitely tens of thousands of franchise restaurant models you could uh, have chosen around the world. Why that, besides you are a happy customer, but why, why do you think um, it's going
1: Yeah, for me, getting into somewhere was a good friend who I really trusted, and so it was going really well, had an opportunity to go into business with him, and that, yeah. that's it. You know, I still have my, I spoke to Sean twice already today. I still speak to him every day. A lot of the times it's just two friends chatting on the phone. My wife does make jokes, wondering sometimes if she hears us on zoom calls or it's like, do you ever chat about anything else rather than rugby? But, because that would be our chats and it is fun, but it's nice having someone with you to celebrate the successes with, you know, I love ringing Sean to be like, even this morning call. Yeah. We got that restaurant across the, talking about a new site up next year. And it's brilliant, and you can celebrate that with your friends. And I even had that with my head office crew now, you know, we celebrate wins together. And uh, that was definitely the big thing was going into business with Sean. And like I say, I, I believed in the model. I believed in the product. The, I didn't know anything. Really, I actually genuinely knew nothing about the plate for plate. I knew nothing about the simple backhouse operation. All I knew there could be 20 chefs in the kitchen making up the some food every day. I just knew I loved the product. And my friends in Australia loved the product and I was like, these people are the exact same people in Ireland that I would see eating this. And that sort of was why for me, I made the, the quick rash decision that I did. But, uh, I think what makes us different now when I'm trying to sell, because a lot of people who come to us looking to open this umbrella, have invariably looked at a number of our direct competitors or even just food competitors in general, they're, they're not just looking, they're not choosing between a, a gym franchise and a food franchise. It's generally, they want to go into food, and they want to go into franchising. This is sort of the area you look at. The big thing for me is the simple operation. Zombrough is so easy. Now, I don't really know much else. I've learned more over the years. I've got out to see other brands and see backhouse operations, but we've no chefs in our kitchens. You know, all our staff do all our tasks. So I know from a pal of mine involved in a, in a different franchise, their walk chefs takes four months to train up. If that walk chef leaves after four months one day, they're back to square one. We have a four day training plan for us it's you get a staff member in if you come to me want with a bit of will and want to learn i will teach you how to open the and row very very easily and that's the great thing for us it is very very simple it's it can be simply done wrong but it is simple as well so that's why training and, and staff is such a huge part of our business
0: can you talk a bit more about uh, that approach to training and getting I guess it's really critical in the world we live in now with staffing and so on, like really getting people up to speed quick again, talk a bit about what is the foundation of, of that training and, and how, how do you take people through? Yeah. So, recruitment has, has got harder.
1: We used to put an ad up when you 200 TVs come in, change. you'd have all different walks of life, all different from, local kids in college, uh, the farm students coming in studying English week, hundreds, and then I went to stage week, put of an ad and it could be two days late for, for someone to apply for it. And it's got back a bit easier now, but the one thing I learned since day one in Hatch Street to now is with sombrero you need to hire personalities. You need people to come in and as we call it, a bit of theater behind the counter and a bit of entertainment and a bit of chat and a bit of conversation, because what I thought was great staff day one, day two in Zamrail is not. Like the guys, I remember in Zambrero we opened Hatchley first, you know, lunch would be winding down and guys would run into the kitchen and jump in washing dishes. And I was thinking, these are the guys I want in my restaurant. You know, look how keen he is he's getting the dishes washed. And, and for me, I associate as a child being made wash the dishes as nearly a punishment. When actually, now I don't, if I'm in one of the restaurants or washing it, it's actually a grand task that you'll be standing chatting to your friend beside you. So it's actually not as bad as I used to think as a child but what I realized over time it's not the staff that are running to get away and hide their back it's the staff that are hanging around their front, chatting to customers remember faces did you enjoy that last week how was that uh, why don't you try this instead I noticed you always go for Chipotle why don't you go for mix up a little bit of red chili make it hotter it's that's what people love and you know you'd be surprised how much people just love The usual like that is the simplest thing ever but some people just love that they know that's my place that's my guy he knows my dish and and it's easy and uh, so that's a big thing for us with training so uh, we have obviously our standard four-day training plans but a big thing for us with recruitment is trying to meet a young guy a young girl who can sit and look you in the eye and have a conversation with you
0: if we go out more, like you said, it's become a bit easier with the staffing. What is in your view, you know, one of the pressing issues you would like to see in the restaurant world disappearing?
1: Uh, inflation is obviously killing everyone at the yeah. moment. I, I remember about a year ago, reading the thing and I, it was interviewing a famous chef and he said, you walk into any restaurant in the country now? And anything you have seen there is more expensive, whether it's paint on the walls to the shoes on the wafer, everything there is more expensive than it was a year earlier. And just everything is going up and up and up. And we're seeing that the whole time. It's tough. Uh, again, we've uh, we've a minimum wage increase coming in January. It's great. I fully deserve it. I know my staff deserve more money, but in line with that, we're going to have to up the price of our menu because that's just, unfortunately, we can't run the business at the loss. We've had a number of menu price increases over the last couple of years and like the one thing I always hammer on to franchisees and managers, I've never just turned around on a Monday and go, let's up the prices next week, lads, and get a bit of a better margin. Let's be more profitable. I've only ever, since day one, seven years ago, up prices reactionary to, you know, meat market trends, to labor increases, to VAT rate changes, uh, to general produce, fresh produce has exploded in the last couple of years as well and gone up and up in price. So inflation is very tough and that's. I suppose we're in the middle of quality reviews with a restaurant, and it's been on the tip of everyone's tongue getting on the call is, you know, what can we do? And where we've got lucky as a as a brand, I think in Ireland in the last couple of years is with all this inflation, we've been growing and opening restaurants and increasing sales where buying power has got better and better. So instead of before I'd send one forty full container, get shipped in with packaging and it'd be packed with 10 products. Now I'm getting a, a 40 full container or two products. So our buying power has increased, which is probably, you know, canceled out a lot of the increases we've seen in a lot of our product and a lot of our Zombrero branded products anyway, particularly packaging, which is something that skyrocketed yeah. their independence and the coffee shops and stuff the last few years.
0: Yeah, yeah it is. But on And I think I heard the same kind of concern that, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, our people deserve our, the right salary to be able to buy their food and pay their bills. But there's a reality as well of how do we mitigate that cost into into the menus, you know, how, you know, if you don't have the buying power, where, where are you then standing in in principle? Absolutely. I think you're very spot on that. What are you doing besides menu? Is there other things you're thinking as a large organization now that how are you going to manage that for the next six months? Hopefully we'll see inflation starting to come out, but we also know inflation and price increases are two different things. When prices go up, they rarely go down to the same again. Yeah. And, and that's,
1: that's the truth as well. Like, you know, you don't turn around six and time on and go, oh, our tomatoes have come down by euros. Let's drop me. that doesn't happen. Everything is, but I feel in, uh, I think I mentioned it before when I like I'm nine years on this journey now, we've had Brexit, we've had the Ukrainian war, we've had COVID, we've had, you know, all these different increases. with the Suez Canal thing with, with containers skyrocketing. We used to pay $1,500 for a container. Then it went to 15 grand for a container and. With all these crazy things. And at the end of every one, it's always like, oh no, in a couple of months, everyone will be back down. But all that I've seen is something's finished and another thing starts. Something's finishing and another thing starts. So it's probably been one of the hardest decades to be in business, but it's been, yeah, obviously a lot of learnings. So I would say in the last uh, number of years with all these problems, you have to come up with
0: solutions quite quick. Yeah. And I guess also these obstacles just make you better because if you overcome them, then they've been ingrained as that's how it is. This is how the world is. And I, I guess like the, the ones I've seen you, know, you feel that they really, you know, they've been, they it doesn't mean they haven't been frustrated, but they really used them and said, okay, we have to use this to make it an advantage. We almost need to go through the pain. And I, and I think it leads very closely to the next thing actually I want to elaborate on and probably answer it because you come from the sports world, which is you said you are not drafted. You were like told you're out of the squad, so that's also like, I mean sports person. That means that I don't, I can't use your skills. You, you are, you are, you're not good enough to be on my team. I love to work with the team over at Besimple because they are always striving to get better, one percent better every day. So I had to share this with you because Besimple have launched a new broadcast. Which highlights some of their favorite hospitality Maverick podcast episodes over time. And if you're new or hardcore super fan of the show, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up with some of the standout episodes from our massive back catalog. The Assembly team has and will be extensively transcribing interesting moments from each episode while providing some new insights on our brilliant guests, the Mavericks. There's already some great write-ups with Mavericks like Chef Santel Nicholson and the co-founder of Singerman's Community of Businesses, Ari Wineswipe. Find them at thissimply.com slash blog and click broadcast on the right side menu. Enjoy. Yeah, it, it's definitely... Uh
1: luckily it was my dream to play professional rugby and, and i got to to do that but i got to see the back end of it and no matter who you are like i was a you know a tiny wheel on the call, but there's some superstars in there who come to the end of careers and they realize you're piece of meat you might have made this you might have played for 10 years for this club but they're not just going to be like oh we'll give him a two-year extension at his old wage because he did so much just five years ago it's literally what value are you to them now and uh, it is quite ruthless but back to what you're saying there is like for me in business in the last number of years we've i've probably learned the most through the stressful times so you know it's great when restaurants are flying and sales are going great yeah you want to try to understand what they're doing well but it's it's probably the other side is where i've seen the most where now restaurants have gone through poor periods our covid was a big one for us we really our business wound down in the space of a week like literally, sales just stop and then you're trying to figure out how to get them back on so you're back to square one and and it's definitely through them times we've learned and understood somewhere where we were used to walking into restaurants before COVID, it could be seven, eight people on the, on the line. And next you're running, trying to run a restaurant with two people. So you're trying to tweak operation, you're making changes and you're learning things. And uh, that's where we have definitely learned the most. It's great to watch the, the top restaurants, the number one restaurants, see what they're doing, but it's definitely, we've well, had stressful times like this, we were talking about earlier when you know, containers are, were meant to arrive a month ago or a month later. You're trying to come up with, with solutions for substitutes or, or different things or packaging or increases are happening. You're wondering, okay, how can you try to work this as best you can? So there are probably the times you learn the most and yeah, definitely come from a sport background. You, you do learn resilience. Like I didn't win every week. I didn't get picked every week. I got dropped as much as I got picked. So you're used to getting knockbacks and setbacks, but it's just sort of about trying to keep going and keep, uh keep driving forward and keep trying to stay positive. And that's what I've always done with sombrero. and it's great now. Like, it's not like I'm going to sit back now and be like, okay, we're done now. Like I've still lots more I want to do with Sombrero. but it is satisfying now to see where we are now. Like it was probably hit me when we were opening, uh, Manute there last May, it was restaurant 17 and it wasn't, we were doing an induction with the staff and I was sort of chatting to them and it was just as I went up to chat. Uh, Niall or offering so it's great there's a store 17 and it was only in that moment that hit me I was like oh my god there's 17 restaurants it just seems like such a huge number it feels like a couple of years ago we two, three, four, and it's really skyrocketed and um, we're, we're at 21 now we've another 5 happening before next March it's really starting to escalate Uh but that's not saying we just want to stop there's, there's lots more we've got to do but we also got to look back and focus on our hatch streets our pier streets our restaurants that are 7 years open help when we keep them you know fresh and vibrant and changing and keeping the customers happy.
0: What is like your, because your ability as you know, you're growing the organization, what is your ability to you know, be positive? How do you do it? Because I guess everybody has different ways to manage that. What is like your secret? Right? Is there any like, you know, some people meditate, um, or meditate, but what, what is it that you do to, to get through that? Because it is hard. Um, I see a lot of people actually break on that, break in the obstacle because they don't have some kind of, this is what I'm going to go and do when it's tough.
1: I'm a pretty happy, positive person. I think I always like to see the good in things and and look on the plus side. But yeah, Yeah, there's obviously stressful times, but I just know like, you know, the stress and the stress. The stress will a restaurant being down a couple of grand in a week and having a bad week, and then the stress of people out there losing their homes or you know don't have a job. and I do realize how incredibly lucky I am, and that's the one thing I always just try to stand back and go, mm. I am in a lucky position. You know, I came from a rugby world where I see a lot of my mates coming out of rugby and they really struggle. Punctual because it is tough. You've you've done something since some of these guys have been in systems since fourteen, fifteen years of age to 35, 36, they could be superstars at 35, 36, exit the game. And they're back to square one. Like they've, someone mightn't gone to college. They've no life skills. They go in and start working in companies. They might get a a nudge into a company because of who they are, but they realize when they get into a company, they have years of experience to catch up on. And there's guys 27, 28 who are, could be working in these companies for five, six years and have five, six years experience. College is great, doing master's or diplomas or extra things, right? But for me, life experience is huge. And like the amount I've learned in seven years just in business is crazy. Like you, college can teach a certain amount, school, but it, it's life skills a lot of time. And it's actually being on the front line or being in the business working. So I do know how lucky I am at that. You know, I do work hard. I, uh, but on the flip side, if you rang me to play golf next Friday morning, I could move my schedule and play golf next Friday morning. So I am very flexible like that you know, to take holidays, work on holidays and, uh, I'm probably lucky enough that I get a few couple of trips away a year with my mates where I just get to completely switch off and whether it's golf trips or stag parties or, or different little, uh, trips away and they're the ones where you just have a real blowout and you just literally forget about work for 48 hours and, uh, and it refreshes me.
0: Yeah, because I guess it's like, really, you know, everybody has to find their own way. Uh, and it's like, what you're saying, there's going to be obstacles. It's very interesting. You said that when you change like significant change from professional sport into business or, you know, any career you want to change you are back to square one and you find out that where you were the one you were the, at the top of your game, you were running the fastest two months ago. Now you are, you are starting again. Like literally, and there's people yeah. you would be feeling yeah. that you should be competing with. You can't compete with. Uh, and that's it. Like, I, I
1: think it's the structure. The structure is something I, I always try to say to guys try staying a structure, like, because I probably, because the way I left Lancer and two weeks later with the opening of I was so caught up in that and we were opening a new restaurant. I didn't have time to think it was so much to take on and very new for me. And it's like, I see with new franchisees now, you know, Problems I've seen then are nothings, but it was cause brand new to me. I was panicking, thinking it's this or that. Like me and I'll always laugh at opening it's the same things that the new franchisees, when it's the first time, oh my God, this just happened. Or, or this has just turned off for it's Like, Don't worry about it. Like that is nothing. We can still open the doors tomorrow and that can get fixed. It's a light in the bathroom. It's a light in the back kitchen. It's it, a nothing event. We can still open the dress on, but that's the thing you used to panic about. But coming from sports, you you're in a structure where I, I know my schedule from the start of the season from, you know, the middle of August to May time. You, well, you know, your weeks and you know where you are every two weeks. I might get my literally where I'm meant to be each hour or whatever, even in stages, told what to wear for a certain sessions, like it's, it's done that way for you. Your food's laid out for you. When you walk in, your washing is done for you after you've been like, it is a very, it's a great life. It's a very easy life. It, it comes with its own stresses and own you know, hardship where you do have to be quite selfish. You know, you do have to be very focused on yourself. And, and, and for me at the time I wasn't married with kids, but I do envy guys who play professional sports or married with kids, because I see having kids now. That would be extremely tough trying to play sport and have kids. And, you know, you, you born in the house and you have a game on a Saturday. Are you not meant to help your wife with like, and that, that must be tough. Uh, so I was probably lucky. I didn't have those things, but uh, yeah, it's uh. It's definitely the structure you leave of being told where to do it every time and what it's like being in school, like it's, you know, Mm. it's like being in school all the way to your mid thirties for some people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can see as well when you, you know, what you need to learn young people when they come into the job market, and you probably see that in your business as well, is actually learn how to work because that's not like school. There's no one that's going to tell you, you need, you know, maybe learn them. Just how to actually show up and, you know. How do you prepare yourself and all I'm those definitely, if you don't learn that? For me in my role, it's, it took me time to understand
1: what I need to be focusing on. Yeah. Like I was probably too focused on, on minimal, nothing tasks that aren't going to grow my business. And that's the attitude I started having to say, yes, I could, you know, I used to do silly things like someone ringing ring the hatchery six. So I jump in and work a lunch rush in the hatchery. Oh, sure. It's only three hours, but it was three hours out of my day where I was trying to plan for a bigger project in line, but really looking back. I shouldn't have done it. It was great that I was really getting hands-on experience and learning in the restaurant, but at the, when we started to get number one, number two, number three, I needed to start thinking of a whole group of restaurants rather than, oh, I could save this restaurant 40 quid in their labor today. Really the bigger picture is where well, I plan to these four restaurants by the euro rather than saving 140 euros. So it was for me understanding what to focus on because no one tells you It's not like I go back to sport and rugby. At the start of a week, we have a, a plan and a goal and the coach is telling you we're going to beat this team. This is how we're going to do it. This is folks for the week and go on. Now I went to a situation where I was, I suppose, the boss, which uh, I still think it's funny thinking about myself like that. But I didn't have to think, okay, how am I going to lead this organization for a week? How am I going to, what am I meant to focus on? And it definitely took me time. Look, Sean was very hands-on at the start, uh, very hands-on in the business sense. Now, like I say, we just, get on the phone and slag each other or or chat about sport and stuff but back in the day he was very hands-on as a mentor for me and and making me understand what I need to focus on the areas we need to go in the direction we went the business now it's he you know day to day wouldn't have much it would just be bigger stuff We we would bring him in the conversations um and yeah and that was from I suppose learning from him over a number of years
0: have you taken some of that structure, you know, because I, I believe really much in structure and, you know, consistency is really important as you're growing an organization, especially in the speed you're doing. Have you taken some of that from, from your sporting world as well? Like, okay, we know that, you know, to get the, the best out of your team now, which will be your HQ team and your friends overseas. I also need to be very clear about direction and purpose all the time
1: yeah i i think it's something i need to improve on because uh i don't know if any my head listen so listening this but they'll probably laugh because i sometimes change my mind on things from not even from day to day from error to error. and i have this idea for something and i run with it and then we might cancel it we might do it so i can be quite impulsive like that and i'd say that for them is quite tough at times but yeah definitely i've become better at trying to narrow the focus of the group and set the targets and and what are we aiming for and You know, someone said to me before, a good friend in Australia who has a number of McDonald's restaurants, and I spent some time with him last year when I was over there and I remember the big thing for him is sales trumps everything else. He's like, you can have all the best of this and this and this. If your sales are going up and up and up and up, that's all you need to worry about. The other things can take care of themselves, but he's like, great. We could focus on, you know, narrowing your labor down to this, but if your sales aren't growing, what's it mean? You know, sales trumps everything else. So you need to focus on, if I'm doing this task can improve sales and that's and that's it and, and that does knock back the training yes training knocks on the sales because if you have poorly trained staff people aren't going to return so the big thing for us now is uh the big folks for us is training because staff are our business the front line and somewhere is a really easy product to make but it's really easy to make wrong as well and you want to just as you get bigger and you mentioned the word consistency there as a franchise, we have to be consistent. You want to know if you walk in Sombrero, Collins Street, have a burrito. The next day you walk down Superior Street, have a burrito. The next day you go to Hash Street, it's the same burrito. You don't mean like, oh, that one's huge. or That one's really small. or least they lash loads of rice and that one or loads of cheese. We have to be really regimented. And, uh, and that's protecting everyone. So I always say to staff, like, you might think, oh, I know. I'll load this guy up with a burrito, make it massive. But... Then it makes it hard to roll. You can't eat it properly. I and then mean, it sets the perception for him that he comes in the next day, he's expecting this monster gets a normal sized burrito and he thinks he's been shortchanged. So consistency is a huge, one us in your brand and, and training is, is definitely a big focus for us next year. Well, it is always, but it's just something we've been chatting about with a plan of new operational team plan we have for next year. Training is yeah. definitely a, a big plan in
0: that. What would you be your top advice for, you know? Other leaders that want to build a, a better business as a force for good out there, because as you mentioned, you the, there's a lot of good business been done in, in the wider organisation, but also you give a you get you make a lots of impact. You give lots of meals away to people in, in need. But what would your top advice be to people? Because it's really interesting, I guess you're talking about when you talked about with your your Australian friend, and I have a McDonald's background as well. Exactly. Your role is to understand how you increase the, the sale and the productivity. That's the only role you have. And if you're doing that, you're in the right direction, anything else doesn't really matter. Yeah. I I suppose
1: the plate for plate side of business is huge. It's, it's, it's an amazing initiative. It's a found fairness and things of DNA, the company, and it really is. We don't. We don't bang a drum about it. We're not in your face being like, oh, look, we're, we're giving these meals away, look, look, it's, we talk about it, we have meal counters in our stores and if, and if a customer asks a staff member, our staff members are trained and they're dancing, it's something on, on the audits that our operations seem great and the site and do, and they'll, one of the parts of the audits, they'll pull a random team member aside. They'll ask them a number of questions on place for place, you know, how many meals are donated, what are the meals, where are they going, who's our charity partner, just so, because. What well, you don't want is a customer asking your staffer like well, I don't know I don't know what that is. There you want them to be able to have a conversation, explain what we're doing and the amazing impact. So we've ha- ho- hosted down in Ireland in the last two years. We had a smaller one last year, a uh, meal packing event where we actually bagged meals. So the meals we donate uh, is a small bag. It's got rice, lentil, soy. It's got a small sachet of and minerals, and each bag contains six meals. So it's a little three, four hundred gram bag of rice, lentil, soy. They go off to, around the world to many third world countries, and in the local areas, then they would make their brought to or seasoning with these things. Now, I uh, I was lucky enough in twenty September twenty nineteen, so just pre COVID, so it was an amazing time to see yes. it because when COVID happened, it really opened my eyes. So I went to South Africa to Johannesburg, and I got to see firsthand the the play for play project in motion. So every year, somebody to do a fission trip they call it. We are managing oil went last year. Rodrigo, one of our other operations team, is going to go next May. Uh, they bring a group of franchisees from around Australia, a couple from Ireland, some from the UK, and they go off to different countries, uh, mainly to South Africa, where we have a big partnership with Rise Against Hunger, have, a, have an office there, our headquarters there. And I got to see that firsthand, and it was it was such an amazing trip. It was great to connect with others and real people and, you know, Chat to the Australian franchisees and realize it's not just my restaurant that staff turn up late for. It's not just my restaurant that staff decide I've lost my hat or I've lost my uniform. We're all living the same life, whether they're Irish or Australian, we're all the exact same. But it was amazing to see the project in operation. So we got to see all the way from the farms growing the food, all the way to the educational programs they work on. And a lot of the meals that Rise Against Hunger donate actually go, they call them creches, but they're schools for kids from, I think, three to eight years of age. And it's early learning centers. Uh, the kids know if they go to each other they get fed twice a day. So, uh, we went, we went and saw those creches. We distributed out the boxes of meals. We actually, one of the creches ate the, the meals. I remember a guide had told me we're going to wait till Thursday because the lady there makes the most amazing meal with the, with the rice packs, uh, not to knock her as a chef, but it was just a very salty bowl of rice, but was, we sat and ate with the kids and it was nice. And, and, uh. The one thing I took away from it was they were all just so happy. These kids literally had nothing and they were, uh, amazingly happy people, such smiley, happy kids. And, and, uh, and it really opened my eyes when COVID hit here, that in some of the townships we were in, it just would have run through like wildfire, COVID. They had no chance. Again. So that was, and that's another thing what I take with the project being a to it does make me know how lucky I am after seeing something like that.
0: Yeah, I get also, it feels good that when you open your business every day, you know, there's, besides there's a good business reasons to do it. Also, it actually gives something away that's bigger than running a business. It gives life. Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm sorry, like I mentioned our meal packing day this year, we bagged over hundred
0: thousand meals in my
1: old school hall. We had over 350 volunteers come in over two wow. sessions with the DJ, with music and a lot of the volunteers that turn up today were just that Sambrero regulars who turned up for the phone at some of our but customers, your customers showing up. Some of our customers. Yeah. And that, that was the amazing thing we had it for, for, we had a smaller one last year and the amazing thing that I got out of that there was going around meeting people and just hearing the different sorts of, Oh, we just eat. there was a group of Trinity students. We were like, well, we eat in peer street and so on the same thing. We just said, it'd be a bit of fun to, to sign up and do us. And those guys came back this year, which was great. And just hearing the different connections and as well for a lot of our supply partners came today and really, you know, were high in as Umbrella drug. It was also, it was also the day after Ireland lost to New Zealand in the uh, quarterfinals. So the country was on a low. So it was a nice way to pick ourselves back up. Uh,
0: I bet you, I bet you. What, what would you say your top learning has been the, the last couple of years as a, a business owner? Any, any learnings you can share with people who say that Cemented um, for you? I think that was definitely
1: something I took from Australia last year was, you know, making sure every day you're focusing on growing sales uh, and, and growing sales, just to, like I said earlier, that could be training, good, well-trained staff helps grow sales, good marketing campaigns, helps grow sales, good operational restaurants, helps grow sales, good quality projects. Uh, so it's sort of understanding my focus was probably the big thing. Cause like I say, I didn't have anyone be like this week, you need folks on that that week. So I probably got a bit more target driven and uh, sales driven that way by knowing the numbers, setting my targets for the year, knowing what we have to do. And it's, it's a goal to achieve and a goal to work for. And I suppose you're used to that. In sport, I was setting goals and setting targets. It's probably something I didn't do in the early days. I probably drifted month to month, you know, quarter to quarter, year to year. And and definitely the last couple now I've got more focus. And I've so I was just listening to people. I love meeting people and chatting to people and hearing their story and, you know, getting advice off people, uh, just meeting people for coffees and substitute contacts. Definitely as I've got more into the so restaurant or world and I've been to more events and stuff, I probably didn't go to a lot of networking events when I was younger. I didn't. There's a question. And now I realize the, the contacts you can make, the connections you can make, the stories and you know just east were very kind to bring me to the champions league final in turkey last year it was a bit of a junket, but i actually took a lot from just sitting around with other people in different restaurant businesses just hearing chatting to them and made connections i've actually done some stuff in the background with, with one of the guys i met on the trip and that's definitely a big thing is networking and it's something i actually do say to like i've done a few talks to current players uh players association and like I said earlier on, I was in a privileged situation being a, a Lancet player and getting meetings set up for me and people would open the door and people would have a chat and the thing I was trying to say to guys was, you know, uh, I know you're wrecked. I know you're tired. I know you think it's hard, but trust me in a few years time, you're working a job where you, you're in there at seven in the morning, you could be leaving the office at 10 at night. That's hard work. And then you could be coming on to a family and a kid and wife and, and that's tough. So I just said, try use your time, you know. If doors are open, if you're invited to events, go. And don't just go to events and stand in the corner. Go around, meet people, chat to them, hear the story. If you have an idea on an area you might work, nice working, you know, go ask would you one day a month for one half day a month, you know, for six months. See if you like it, understand it. Because what I've seen with a lot of guys, they might be leaving the rugby world and be like, I want to get into finance. I want to get into corporate finance they get into corporate finance at 35 after leaving rugby and they're a year in, they're like, actually, I hate this. I want to go into this. And why not figure that out when you're still playing? And then if you realize at 25, while you're playing, you like it, you can try to grow a network. And like I try to explain to them that, you know, you might have mates sitting in college or a master's course now who would give anything for a sit down with a head of a, a big company in Ireland. They don't have that luxury of ringing them up and asking for a chat. You have that luxury that you could be, you could be a, you know, starting for Ireland because you're in a world in rugby that you're not going to make enough money to finish, put your boots on, play golf for the rest of your life, and you know, chill out. You're, you're going to have to have something fall back on post rugby. So that would be the big thing for I would say to guys.
0: Great. Where can people find out more about you, Sambero? Where should they go? What's the best place online?
1: Our Instagram, so Abigail, those are marketing runs a good Instagram for Sombrero Ireland, so that would be our generic update and find me I'm on LinkedIn. If anyone wants to connect or ask questions, send me, send me mail. I'm very happy to pick up the phone and have chats with people. And I do. And I have, like I said, because a lot of people were so good to me at the start and, you know, and I am quite young I'm quite still pretty inexperienced, but I have learned a lot over the last few years that. You know, I could pass on to a lot of guys would pick up the phone and be like, I'm thinking out in the coffee shop. What do you reckon? And I don't know why, but uh, a lot of people have this dream of opening a coffee shop and it's, it's not as easy to think. And everyone has this other idea that, oh, there's so much money to make in coffee. First of all, you want a good barista, you're paying for a good barista. You want a good coffee bean, you're paying for a good coffee bean. You want a good machine, you're paying for a good machine. You want to be in a good location, you're paying for it. Yeah, there's a bit of a margin on the coffee that comes back to what you sell. But when you add everything else in, it's not that much. And you to sell a lot of three, four-year-old coffees to have a good life at the end where you have to have multiple sites. So it is hard. So it's just trying to, you know, set guys' expectations sometimes or at a coffee shop, and a like five grand, that want to open it. Well, the five grand won't even buy you machines. So you're, you're going to have to look for more money somewhere else. So it's just, uh, if anyone did want to, yeah, I'm... Uh, i'm Linkin, or I'm finding you on your direct one chat.
0: right we'll put that in the the show notes as well thank you so much for for coming on the show sending you and the team power and energy for the exciting journey ahead It's a busy busy first quarter i can see ahead for you guys yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah no it's uh it's been a amazing last year but uh very excited for next year we just restructured our operational team. Like I mentioned briefly earlier, we've a number of new restaurants opening. We've uh, a manager from one of our current restaurants who is was leaving, which would have been a shame to see him leave the brand, but I'm delighted that he's actually gonna move and move into our operations team now full time. So he's gonna stay in the brand. So it's all about trying to keep good people in the brand for me. And that's, that's what it is. And that's what we're lucky enough with like our franchisees. Like, like I said, we're having the quarterly reviews and I'm not dreading one of the phone calls I get on and have chats because one i know they're trading well and one i have a good relationship with them so it's nice to have conversations so uh not wishing away this christmas but uh, looking forward to christmas but i'm looking forward to
0: next year as well great great good luck there thank you thank you i really appreciate that you're listening in so if you enjoyed today's conversation please share with others rate it or give it a review or subscribe to one of our channels because all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading books is key to become a great leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the books that have impacted the guests here in the show and myself over the years. Find it on Hospitality Mavericks website, hospitalitymavericks.com, under the reading list. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better. Every day. Check them out at Bisssimply.com on their social at simply or hq You can also email them directly at podcast at If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, Michael at hospitalitymaverick.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick.